When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. The guy that would normally speak now is Noel, but he's not here today. But will be returning soon. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Last week, we did something relatively rare for our show, which is we took a brief day off. Uh, from one episode for one day for one episode (laughs) one day we didn't pay attention to the internet for just a second even more crazy stuff went wrong crazy things are happening an apartment complex in a neighborhood kind of north of us blew up that happened yeah yeah that happened uh and as you're hearing this uh, we don't know what will be happening if you hear this the day it comes out but we do know one thing The most important part of the show is you and your fellow conspiracy realist. So we are, uh, as always, immensely fortunate, grateful, and excited to dive into this week's listener mail segment. And there's a funny thing that happens sometimes, Matt, where I don't know about you, but I'll have something on my mind and like, does this make a good episode? Would this be something that our fellow conspiracy realists are interested in exploring with us? And in these moments of synchronicity, uh, sometimes someone will send a voicemail or contact uh, me on social media or send us an email, and it'll be like they put their hand in some like body horror way through my ear and like found that those brain cells with that idea. They took them out and then they just sort of like popped them into an email or a message. And that's what happened with our very first piece of correspondence, at least in my mind. Wow. Okay. Well, so, I, I, I just liked this email. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of iced coffee going on, man. A lot of iced coffee today. Oh, it's uh, all good. <laughs> but this is something we mentioned at the very end of our episode on maple syrup cartels, or the one it, maple syrup cartel. That's true. We mentioned alternative milks, I believe. 
I don't know the exact quote because every one of these episodes that you hear now is one giant run-on conversation between Ben and Noel and I, and I have no idea when they happen or where they happen, but I know we talked about it. <laughs> um, but, yes, we got a message from someone we're going to title Nuts About Milk. This person says, Hi guys, while ordering coffees for work one day, one of my colleagues who lives in Los Angeles warned me about how bad almond milk is for the environment. For one liter of almond milk to be made, you need 6,000 liters of water. I was shocked. I'm not much of an almond milk fan myself, but how is this information not more widely known? She also said that there are lots of almond farms in California, and because they require so much water, they are contributing to the droughts that cause these terrible wildfires to happen. Can you do a deep dive on Big Almond and see how deep the issue actually goes? What else is Big Almond trying to hide? For now, I'm avoiding almond milk altogether and telling everyone I know to do the same. Thanks, Nuts About Milk. Yeah, so first... Uh... Nuts about milk. Congratulations on your uh, newfound telepathic abilities. A little freaked out, but what a great suggestion. It is true, especially when you consider how often in the recent past almond milk has been uh, touted as something generally just not just better for you, but better for the world because it's not part of the traditional dairy industry. Those, those things may be true. In many cases, but that doesn't mean there's not stuff they don't want you to know about almond milk and nuts about milk. Feel like you nailed it, and yeah. this is this is kind of the tip of a very thirsty iceberg. Mm, this iceberg is highly thirsty. Thirsty iceberg. That's someone's street <laughs> name now. It really, it really is. Oh, all the icebergs out there, oh, they just need more water, and they need it to be colder. Um. Okay, so we're going to jump to a story that I think may be close to where a lot of the information out there on the internet about almond milk and water usage, uh, where it arose, or at least where the general public, us, kind of got hip to what is occurring. And I use hip here on purpose because it is a Mother Jones article written by a person named Tom Philpott, P-H-I-L-P-O-T-T, and the title is Lay off the almond milk, you ignorant hipsters. Oh, wow. Yes. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. <laughs> it was written July 16th, or was published, rather, July 16th, 2014. And in here, he really, Phil, goes into information about almond milk production and just about how it is the it is becoming, in 2014, very, very popular as a milk substitute or a, a non-dairy milk substitute. And my goodness, as you're going through here, he's, I mean, it's very much the opinion, as you can tell by the title is very much injected into this story. Uh, but it talks about specifically what is in almond milk. Is it mostly water? Is it a lot of water? What are you getting besides water? from this almond milk when it comes to nutrients and other important things that your body needs <laughs> and specifically how expensive it is. So that kind of started this trend of thinking about almond milk differently. Like maybe it's not this wonderful savior of our breakfast cereals. Uh, as I admit, I use almond milk in cereal. If I eat cereal, um, mm. I know says Mother Jones. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh -huh. This was a follow-up article to another one that Phil put out in Mother Jones two days previously on the 14th of July, 2014. And that one was titled, Your Almond Habit is Sucking California Dry. Mm -hmm. Herein lies most of the information. It's got graphs, you guys, of almond production, how many almonds are are being produced, how much an almond costs, uh, like in millions of dollars for the, for California specifically. And it also talks about the drought in California and how much water an almond needs for production within this article. He states that it takes 1.1 gallons of water to produce one single tiny little almond. So he hits you with the amount of water it takes to, to create one almond. Then he lets you know that California in 2014 at the time 
was poised to produce 2.1 billion pounds of almonds in that year. And for uh, just for a sense of perspective here, uh, there are about 400 pieces. We're talking almonds, 400 pieces per pound. 400 almonds. Like raw almonds without, without a shell per pound. So that's like if people, well, you know, when you hear a, this, a gallon of water is an almond or you hear mm-hmm. like how many billions of pounds, uh, we need to emphasize this is a lot of almonds. This <laughs> yeah. isn't all the almonds, but this is a lot of almonds. And in defense of almonds, I think they're delicious. They're a good survival snack to keep around because Perfect they can also that. suppress your appetite a little bit. That's right. And and Phil goes on just to point out that these farmers as like large companies that are also farming here and, and producing almonds, they are many times dropping wells to get down to the water that's underneath the earth, the aquifers to really pull enough water out of the earth to produce these things, as well as using, you know, municipal water to to get what they need to, to grow these things. And my gosh, uh, really, let's just get down to kind of how he ends this. And he's di- he's discussing demand. Like, why are this? Why is California producing this many almonds? Why is it 80 percent of the market, essentially, of, of almond production? And especially in California, where droughts happen all the time, 2014, it wasn't necessarily at the levels that, ha- that we've seen California's droughts to, you know, to get to the severity of issues there, but 2014 wasn't doing so great. Mm. Um, He's just saying that the deep need for us to have almonds and specifically almond milk is what's driving all of this stuff and using up so much of the water there. And when he says we, he's not just meaning residents of the U S he's meaning the residents of the world globally. Yes. And you know, many people in California, many institutions in California are concerned about this and were concerned about this. In January 2018, the University of California, San Francisco put out a story called Almond Milk is Taking a Toll on the Environment. And it's a similar story there, talking about how much it how much water it takes to produce this. They say they cite a New York Times article within this one. Uh, citing that it takes approximately 15 gallons of water to produce 16 almonds, which doesn't quite compute to what we heard from Phil. That's not quite 1.1 gallons per almond. That's a little right. under that figure. Right, right, right. You're going to find that that number fluctuates a bit depending on the source that you're looking at. But they do they do note that there are a ton of lands in California that are being converted to specifically almond farmland. And... Uh, the a lot of this land was previously wetlands out in California and just how that ch- very much changes things when you convert a wetland into farmland mm. and not for the better when it comes to uh, helping hold back some of these massive fires. Wetlands are one of the best things a fire can encounter <laughs> when it comes to stopping that fire or at least slowing it down. There's a ton of information in here. You can read all about it. You can read about the Almond Board of California and what they officially state when it comes to the water usage of almonds. Oh, yeah. I want to keep going down this rabbit hole a little bit further. I know we're just kind of barely touching on things. We're setting it up. We're painting the background. There's Yeah, there's a ton. I, I highly recommend everyone heads over to the BBC and reads an article that came out in 2019 called Climate Change, Which Vegan Milk is Best? And it looks... It's looking specifically at dairy, rice, soy, oat, and almond milk. They're looking at things like the number of emissions or the amount of carbon emissions and other dangerous emissions like that are produced per kilogram of whatever this thing is that you're producing, whether it's soy or oat or almond, Uh, as well as the land use, which is like how many square miles of land do you actually need to produce this stuff, as well as water use. And... They've got a great graph here that really puts it into perspective. If you're looking at almond milk and the amount of water that is needed to produce these things for milk, it's high. It is the second largest when when it comes to almond, oat, soy, rice, and dairy. Below that, you've got rice, then oats, then soy, then way, way above, categorically above the amount of water that it takes to produce almonds, you have dairy milk. There it is. Which is 
the whole reason I wanted to talk about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. not, not only because our Atlanta photographer wrote to us, uh, nuts about milk, but we, this right here, as I, as I started tracking this down, this whole thing, Ben feels to me like another dairy conspiracy. Oh, you think DMI is involved? Dairy Management Incorporated. Check out our big cheese episode. Yes, I can't prove this. I cannot okay. prove this. Sure. This is this is old Matt's noggin <laughs> coming up with stuff. Old Matt's <laughs> noggin. <laughs> Predicting the weather and tracking the dairy powers the bee. Well, <laughs> because uh <laughs> because if you if you follow the track of that BBC article yeah. Uh, there's some great articles that it then links out to and some research that you can find in there. It breaks it all down. But let's say maybe you don't trust BBC for one reason or another. Sure. Um, but they do a great job of citing. I'm telling you, a really good job of citing everything. You can jump to a website called truthordrought.com. This might be more of your speed. may not be. Uh, I personally... Enjoy the BBC, but we're not going to talk about all that. You can read that article yourself. The Truth or Doubt website has an article called Myth. Almond milk is using all the water. And in here, it cites specifically Tom Philpott's article, the uh, Ignorant Hipsters one, <laughs> as well as because that one really went viral. Apparently, I was not aware of that. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it also talks about the, the previous article, the first one. And they say... I'm going to read from their article. Lies of omission, whether intentional or not, omitting altogether the much higher water and ecological footprint of dairy and all animal agriculture. Mm-hmm. They're saying this is the tactic being implemented by somebody, whether they know it or not, uh, to make almonds look bad and to just kind of forget about dairy milk and cows. Just sort of make almonds the face of the ongoing drought problems. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to jump down to a section where they compare almonds to dairy when it comes to water and what the yield is. So I'm going to read some of this verbatim, truth or drought. I'm sorry, but uh, here it is. They say that within California, almonds, the production of almonds used 8% of California's water. And it yielded 99% of the U.S. slash 80% of the worldwide almonds produced. So the amount of almonds, that's 99% of U.S., 80% of worldwide almonds produced. So, okay, 8% of the water in California for most of the almonds that the world uses. And then they go to dairy in California. They say that 15% of California's water is used to grow alfalfa. Mm-hmm. That's hay for livestock feed. And that is part of the total of 47% of California's water used for meat and dairy. And this does not include drinking water for any of the cows or the cattle. So that's just a whole extra thing that would need to be included. And the yield that you get for 15% of the water to grow all that food for all these cows is 21% of the United States and 1.4% of global dairy. So that's kind of hard when I when I say it like that and all of those things. But eight percent of the water gives you ninety nine percent of the U.S. almonds. Fifteen percent of the water in California gives you twenty one percent of the dairy milk produced in the United States. And you can already see, folks, that there's there's more to this story. There's more to unpack. So what I suggest is we pause for a word from our sponsors. (laughs) Let's see if they are almond or dairy related. And then we will return uh, to explore this just a little bit further. That's right. We'll be right back. Don't forget, there's all this stuff about almonds, milk, and bees. It's really, you got to look at that too. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, 
Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have returned. Uh, So, Matt, this is something that's been on my mind as well and that I think could be a full episode because we're seeing we're seeing a couple of things. So we're seeing people who do have an angle, a perspective and a bias at play. Right. Uh, That doesn't mean that what they're saying is untrue. But it does mean that they may frame things in a way they feel is advantageous to their point of view. And this this happens all the time with any trade group. Um, almonds are a little bit different from some other crops because they can only grow in specific parts of the world unless you build like an artificial indoor environment for them. And California happens to be one of those places, which is why it is such a behemoth in the world of almonds. Kind of like the same thing with Canada and maple syrup, honestly. And this is coupled with a very serious problem, which is the search for solutions to California's droughts, which Mm -hmm. are, you know, a prime driver of wildfires. They are also uh, they are also increasingly going to be a matter of concern to just people who happen to live in California, you know, and. When this kind of stuff happens, when people are scared, and rightly so, human beings tend to want a face or a symbol to put on the problem. So you can give people stats and graphs all day, but instead, if you give them a headline with, I don't know, like how you would make, you know how like political smear campaigns around election time, they always have the picture of like the politician they don't like. And then the music changes and it goes like black and white and then it like fades into red. And it's like, uh, Diane Bravowitz wants you to believe that she cares about libraries. But in 2017, she was caught walking past one without going inside. And like, if you vote for blah, 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 then you kill librarians. Like, how would you do that with an almond? Um, 
Almonds want you to think that they make the best milk and they're good for your body and your environment. Uh, <laughs> but psych or no, 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 no. Then they go, but almond doesn't want you to know that it's got a drinking problem. Yeah. Oh, serious drinking problem. Ooh. It got caught in 2019 drinking up 8% of all California's water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like a vote for almonds is a vote for deserts. Uh, the, <laughs> like the, the thing is that these tactics, while they can be misleading and while they're certainly not always made in good faith, uh, that doesn't mean the stuff that they're saying is not true. And especially when we're talking about something as interconnected and as vital as a water system, I have to realize that there are a lot of people at play and there are a lot of people who are unknowingly participating in this. Because when you're talking about water production in California and how much water goes into the creation of an egg, right? Or a hamburger mm. or whatever. Uh, we also have to realize that isn't all staying in California. It's shipped to other places, which means that uh, these problems or these this controversy surrounding almonds uh, probably affects you in some way, even if you don't live in California. Uh, and even if you don't eat almonds, even if you got like a, an allergy, it's still going to affect you in some way. So I think this is worth exploring further. Uh, nuts about milk. Thank you so much uh, for this excellent letter. And this is not, obviously, this, this is not a, a hit piece. Matt, I think you did a fantastic job of outlining some of the things that are getting missed in a lot of the pro and anti-almond headlines. Oh, man. I yeah, I couldn't agree more. Really appreciate you sending this message to us. I am I mentioned a thing right before the break here. I, I've got another article I want people to look up. There there actually there's two. One is from The Guardian. The title is Like Sending Bees to War, The Deadly Ooh. Truth Behind Your Almond Milk Obsession, which is a whole different take. If you get out of the water discussion and you look at fungicides, pesticides, Ooh. what almond the things that you need to make almonds, what that can do to bee populations or what it is, the effects that that industry seems to be having on bee populations, as well as a popular science article that came out in 2017 titled The Almond Milk Craze Could Be Bad News for Bees. Again, they're looking at fungicides here. They're looking at just several of the major issues. And really, it's it, the pesticide problem and other herbicides, anything that you'd use to kill something that you don't want in an agricultural process. These have been problems for a long time since we figured out how to use them. I mean, mm -hmm. we've got, you think about Roundup, TM or whatever, R. Mm -hmm. It was specifically developed to kill things, every, really as many things as it can, uh, while keeping the seed and the plant alive because the seed got genetically modified so it wouldn't get hurt by the pesticide. Also, shout out to neonicotinoids, uh, a huge killer bee populations. Everybody said we were crazy and conspiratorial. And while those two things may be in some part correct, we were also correct about neonicotinoids. And so that's just one kind of pesticide that spells trouble and quite possibly doom for the capital uh, T. Or D populations. Yes, yes, tomb or doom. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> do check this out. Uh, let us know your take. Love to hear from an almond uh, farmer, someone working in the industry as well. Uh, because as we mentioned, um, trade groups associated with almonds are, are quick to point out that uh, they feel the issue has been mischaracterized. You know what I well, mean? Well, yeah. I mean, we're going to stop talking about this now, I promise. It's just... Just through all those articles that we've cited today, where I just gave you tiny bits and pieces from all of them, you can clearly see how there's confusion. There seems to be confusion and or disinformation, misinformation that's that's being put out there. Whether, again, as that, that one article stated, whether the writers of the articles realize it or not. Yeah, I'd also like to recommend, just for more perspective, checking out uh, an article in The New Republic, uh, also written by Tom Pilpot uh, with Julia Lurie, December of 2015, where they talked about the real problem with almonds. And they're the ones who mentioned something a lot of folks may not have been thinking about, which is, are we moving water 
when we ship almonds to other countries. Oh, that's right? great. Is this resource extraction? But we'll get to that in the future. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, shout out to everybody who's like, guys, I get it. There are problems in every big industry, but I love almonds, dudes. You could even say, like, normally I'm, I'm street lace, I, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't have vices, except for almonds. I am straight up addicted to a good almond, you know, put it in milk, put it in paste, make it, make it a part of a confection. And I am in buddy. Or some kind of, I don't know, Chinese cuisine. Let's do that. I'm down. Throw almonds in there. Any nuts. Yeah. Addiction. That's something we talked about. That's our, that's our segue. We worked yeah. on that off. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we did. I thought it was, I thought it was all right. Uh, any, any missteps in that segue are mine. Uh, but, we had recently done an episode based on something we talked about in a strange news segment, uh, which was the nature of addiction and video games. And Matt, you were sorely mm. missed from this episode. Hope we did you proud. Uh, it's something that we got a lot of response from. And as always, we're very fortunate to have our fellow conspiracy realists from all walks of life uh, weighing in. And what we'd like to do now is share with you an email that we all we all read uh, with rapt attention. Uh, this is something that Noel especially wanted to get out there. And so we were thinking we could uh, read this letter to you in full and then maybe just talk a little bit more about it. This email is called Gaming Addiction. It comes to us from Ali and Matt. I was thinking you and I can kind of round robin this one. Let's do it. Do you want me to get started? You want yeah, to get started? kick us off. Okay, here we go. Ali says, hey guys, I just finished listening to the episode on gaming addiction, and I wanted to reach out regarding some of the things y'all mentioned. I work in the addiction treatment field, and I specialize in working with process addictions. That's process addictions, such as gaming, pornography, and sex. First of all, thank you for tackling such a difficult subject. At one point, you talked about psychological addiction versus physical addiction and the different ways those can manifest. Just to clarify, even if a behavior like gaming does not create a physical dependency on a substance external to the body like heroin or alcohol, there is still a very real detox process from these behaviors. Yeah, and Ali goes on to say, withdrawal from process addictions feels very similar to cocaine withdrawal. And notes, this can also be true of heavy marijuana use, which absolutely creates a physical dependence. The idea that THC is not physically addictive has been largely abandoned by the medical community. Ali says, though the symptoms may seem much milder than a substance, they create, she's referring to symptoms of video game addiction, mm -hmm. they create significant distress. The most common withdrawal symptoms are insomnia, anxiety, depression, and irritability. Throw in night sweats, too, if we're talking about marijuana. This may not seem like a big deal, but the anxiety and depression can reach debilitating levels for some people and in especially tough cases, can last up to two years after the behavior stops. Let me amend that. I think Allie here is talking not just about a gaming addiction, but process addiction. Exactly. I think that's the umbrella under which all of this is, is sitting. Then Allie continues, while I agree with your premise that it is absolutely possible to enjoy gaming in a healthy way, and that some people are leaning towards a moral panic in this arena, gaming addiction is also a very real struggle for some. A struggle that all too often gets overlooked, downplayed, or ridiculed. Yeah, and continues to say, right now, process addiction treatment is the fastest growing area of study and service provision in the treatment industry. Side note, I loved your episode on the rehab industry. I've worked with both ethical and non-ethical treatment providers and could stay on my soapbox all day about the craziness that goes on in some places. However, despite the growing need for clinicians who understand and can help with process addictions, the American healthcare system seriously impedes people's ability to get help if they are not financially well off. Insurance companies will not cover treatment for process addictions alone, and individual therapists who address these issues often do not accept insurance and charge a rate that is unaffordable for many. Unless someone can afford the astronomical self-pay rates for treatment, or they also have co-occurring substance use or mental health issues, there are not many routes for people without means to seek professional help. Yeah, it's, it's true, uh, unfortunately. 
Fortunately, Ali continues, the peer recovery world for process addictions is also growing with groups like Online Gamers Anonymous, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, and Gamblers Anonymous. Many more people are able to get help than ever before. I know that was a lot, but I just wanted to chime in and let you all know about some of the additional complications that can go along with treating addictions like gaming. Thanks for all you do, Ali. So this is a lot of information, and we wanted to... We wanted to give you the direct verbatim words uh, because Ali here is an expert. And we know that we know that this potential exists. And we talked at length about some of the problems with trying to address the possibility of addiction. Because what are you gonna you're gonna make some kind of big brother law that says, hey, video game creators. You have to make your games less good. You know what I mean? Start sucking a little more legally. Uh, but like that's an oversimplification, but it is um it is very true that addiction is is a real thing and it can take many, many forms. It's not a, as we said before, it is not a moral failing of any sort. Uh, but in the case of something like video gaming, while it has precedence, right? Gambling, for instance, uh the fact of the matter is that in many ways, this is a newer technology in the grand scheme of things. And so there's still a lot of research to be done and a lot of things to learn, which is why this is such a quickly growing area of study. It is it is weird to imagine gaming in most, not all instances, as gambling, but without using any money and without the possibility of winning any money. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like if you've ever, if you've, Depending on where you live in the world, um, if you've ever been in a gas station, you may have seen some things that look very much like, you know, electronic slot machines. And and sometimes they have a big sign over them, at least in Georgia, where they say it's illegal for these games to result in actual money. At which point the question becomes, why are you, what motivates you? Is it the dopamine release uh, from playing the game? Because people in general, psychologically, love to feel that we have navigated rules successfully in a way that results in rewards. The species is so into this, in fact, that um, sometimes the nature of the reward doesn't matter. Dude, what what is the reward in a gas station slot machine thing? Is it like, I wonder if it's like store credit? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe uh, I did know of an illegal gambling den in a gas station here in Atlanta and they had the they had the other slot things in the front as kind of a a red herring but in the back you know it was poker at all hours uh, I did not participate I literally saw the door open one day and one of the guys who worked there was like oh yeah man don't tell anybody but that's that's where the big money moves and I mm. still to this day I wonder what was on the other side of that door but uh but Matt, one thing that was interesting about this too, when we talk about the nature of a reward in a process addiction, is um, we talked in the earlier episode a little bit about badges and achievements and trophies in video games. And those, our, our brains recognize those as rewards, even if they're not something we were expecting, right? Like, what's a weird trophy you got? And then we'll, we got to, I know we've got to go to a commercial break, but I'm so interested in your experience. Like what, what is a strange trophy you got? And you as well, doc, what's the weirdest trophy? Oh, a weird trophy. Or achievement or, you know, whatever they call them. I can't think of a, a really great one. I, dude, I've been playing way too much Minecraft, which you want to talk about an addictive game. My <laughs> God. Uh, to, to, you know, my son and I've been playing a lot and it's mm -hmm. just, I think I got one I got one recently because I did something ridiculous. I don't know. It had to do with my death. I died in a way that I sh didn't expect to die. And it was like, hey, you got an achievement. Congratulations. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> Gave you some kind of Darwin Award. All right. Uh, well, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. And we'll be back with another piece of correspondence from your fellow conspiracy realist. But we're going to dive further into the topic of gaming and addiction. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand 
Tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back. Ben, I just found out what what it was called. It wasn't, I, I described it incorrectly. It was the thing my son showed me called the Totem of Undying. And I got it because I completed a raid. Some people will know what that is. My son was very excited about this. And it looks like a doll. And I was, I had it when I died. And it said I cheated death. So there you go. That was my weird achievement. Well, congratulations, Matt. You've cheated death. It's I official. Did. You got a, an award for it and everything. And, <laughs> and, and uh, I think uh, it is amazing, though, because, again, even if we're not asking for those things consciously, when we get an achievement, it often feels like, you know, the way you would feel if you got a trophy in real life. Yeah, totally. For me, it's about an upgrade. If I can upgrade something, no matter mm-hmm. what it is in a video game, I'm going to seek that out and I'm going to I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to get resources until I've got way too many mm-hmm. and I'm going to just keep upgrading until I can't anymore and I max You're out all, everything. <laughs> all about the grind. All about the grind. Yeah. It's it's that it's the a thing. box. Yeah. It feels like you're really getting something done. It feels like you're checking boxes, you know, but it's just in a virtual world and it probably doesn't matter. Well, I mean, what is this world, right? If we want to just hey. jump into that. Philosophy. Hey, no, 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 can't do that. I can't handle it right now. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, well, well. Um, that's a, it is a great question, and there are uh, compelling studies about neurochemistry, which can give us uh, a, a solid explanation of why the human brain doesn't really differentiate between uh, some IRL award and some digital award. Uh, and with this, we go to a fantastic email from Fitbit Lady, who asks us, is Fitbit a gaming system? Here we go. 
Hey guys, love the show. I'm currently listening to our video games addictive and you were discussing badges and such and it got me thinking. I am not a gamer. I have zero time. I'm a mom of three kids in three different grade levels who do not give me any me time. My oldest, who is 14 years old, does game regularly. Anyways, you were discussing the reward system used in video games, and it made me realize that I am certainly a reward-driven human. I wear my Fitbit religiously to track my steps, and I get so excited when I win a challenge or get a badge. I'm currently on a step streak where I've gotten my steps seven days in a row, and I was up late last night pacing around the room to make sure I get my steps for the day. Am I using my health tracking app the same way that gamers use their game system? Very interesting. Signed, Fitbit Lady. Yes. What do you think? Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes, the answer you is, are. <laughs> the answer is yes, FBL. The answer is yes. Uh, and that is by design. This is something that, Matt, you and I, back in the day, had some firsthand experience with. It's a technique known as gamification. And gamification is this brilliant, if not always... Um, considerate method of taking elements from any kind of game, the most general ideas of uh, how you would define a game, and taking those elements and putting them into a non-game situation. So how do we define a game? Those are things like, uh, let's see, competition is a big Mm. one, right? Um, And then there are things like, even if you're competing with yourself, like in solitaire, and then there are rewards, right? And there are punishments or consequences, you know, it's still, it's taking the Skinner vibe and putting it into things that ordinarily may not have had that. Uh, what, what do you think are, are some good examples of gamification? Other than Fitbit, you're absolutely right, Fitbit lady. It is gamified. Fitbit for sure. A lot of the apps that I have tried out, like newer apps that I've attempted in the past, ones that have to do with ordering food, with getting a ride, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of those have small examples of gamification within them where you can get small rewards for using them Mm -hmm. in a certain way or for ordering at a certain time or going for a certain distance. The biggest one for me in my world right now is my son just started kindergarten Mm -hmm. and we signed up for an app titled Class Dojo and the entire school system where he goes is using it. And on here, the teachers throughout a day... Oh, I see. I'm, I just opened it up to check it out while I'm talking about it. I have to make sure my notifications are all good. Cool. Um, throughout the day, <laughs> his teacher, when he's in class, will yeah. give him points. And you can get positive points, neutral points, or negative points. Oh, wow. And uh, at, at least I've only seen positive points right now because as they begin the school year, they only give the kids positive points as they learn it, okay. uh, at least for the, for the kindergarten level kids. Uh, and also as the parents learn the app and everything, but then the parents, here's where it's super gamified, Ben. Okay. The parents take it home. Mm-hmm. And when the, when your child is say reading, you can give him a point for oh, reading. No. If he's listening and paying attention, uh, you give him a point. Did he uh, eat? Is he eating? Right. Is he doing eating his vegetables? Did he gets he a point. Rutabaga or whatever. Oh, yeah. Did he help dad build a Minecraft world? Negative points. Dang. You're giving him <laughs> negative points? No, I didn't do it. The system knows. Oh, it's like, no. It's like you're playing a video game. That's no. <laughs> that's negative points. Yeah, this is that's startling. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's so new still, I guess, for you guys. Well, it's weird. Yeah, um, I love that I can encourage him. Like if he was really into the app and cared sure. about it, yeah. I would love to be able to give him some props yeah. for doing something right, especially when it comes to, you know, attention based things and things that really require his focus. Uh, I would love to be able to do that, but he doesn't care. Does he get prizes? Uh, uh, there, Yeah, there are there are things that the school will do associated with your levels i think i I don't know cool well i mean you had book it we had book it uh yeah book it was like read x amount of books and then you get a personal pan pizza and i'll be honest with you at the time it was the best pizza i ever i ever ate 
Because you like, earned it. I was so, you know, I think that happens to a lot of kids. I was so into myself. I was like a proto Kanye West about it. You know what I mean? Step aside, other people at Pizza Hut buying pizza with your money. Dude, that's why we're here. That's why we're making this show. Because we were both book it like fiends. <laughs> yeah, kings or fiends. Somewhere in between. Uh, before the beat drops, let's continue. So the, the this is happening, Fitbit Lady. And this is something that is not, again, it's not inherently sinister, but we know that it drives engagement because human beings like to play. Uh, you get points. That's one of the defining elements of things that have been gamified. Uh, you can get those badges, those achievements. You might have something like a leaderboard, which says, like in any app, let's say, for I'll just make something up. Let's say you had a, um, oh, I love the idea of a food delivery app. And the food delivery app is giving you points. And those the reward you get ultimately is like a, a small discount, right? You get like mm -hmm. 5% off or maybe even 10% off or something. And let's say in addition to that, they have a leaderboard. And they're like, congratulations, you've moved up to level four. And you might not know what level four is in this context, but then a leaderboard pops up and you're like, oh, level four means in a two-mile radius, I am the 40th most most influential user of this food delivery app. And then for some people, that's an immediate trigger to be like, no, 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 no. I am level three at the very least. <laughs> and like that's that's how it works. And then you can see a lot of analytical data, right? Performance graphs. How many steps did you take, right? How many times did you order from this restaurant? Or how many miles did you drive? How many accidents did you report for your fellow users, right? Uh, and then this builds a meaningful story about you. You have a little version of you that you can customize sometimes. And you might have competitors, but you can also have people you team up with to cooperate with. So it's found in a lot of things that may not ordinarily occur to people. Like a, a driving app, you know, apps are crazy about this, but also simple, simpler analog things like Book It. And the argument for something like Fitbit or any health tracking app like this, is that this gamification, because it keeps you engaged, uh, helps you beat the statistics, which usually the statistics for consistent use or consistent exercise, really, uh, they often dip, right? It's the famous January, February dip post New Year, uh, but it, it plays out pretty often. So this is something in this case that is meant to help users but at the same time, it is meant to keep them plugged into the game. And I think the God. future, I think the future is gamification um, or an increased frequency of it. Did we, did you guys bring up social media gamification? Maybe a little bit, um, okay. but let's, let's talk about it now. Yeah. I think we've talked about this before. Oh, the just, likes. Yeah. Any, the retweets. On, on any social media, there's the like, there's the heart, there's the all that stuff, and there's th things you can do. And while you don't get an achievement in the way you would on an Xbox or something, mm -hmm. your achievement is seeing some number grow and just knowing that whatever you did is more and more popular and more and more popular or or nobody cares at all, which is an achievement in itself. And there's another version of social media Online dating apps. I'd love for everybody who wants to learn more about this to read an article in Wire by Nancy Joe Sales called Online Dating Apps Are Actually Kind of a Disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a huge industry, but these apps also are gamified. You know what I mean? Like there's something about the payoff that happens when you, uh, when, oh my gosh, somebody also swiped on me. They like me. I have value in a social context which is mm. people probably don't maybe think about it in those transparent of terms, but we know that this is gamification at work. We know that there is a lot of thought put into the controversies surrounding gamification. If you like to read, um, if you like to read papers that do a, a good job of giving you the lay of the land, um, there was one I found called A Critique and Defense of Gamification by Aaron Chia Yuan Hong. And this is uh, free to read online. It was published in 2017 in the Journal of Interactive Online Learning. And 
the entire argument here is that, yes, these pitfalls may exist, right? Even to the point of uh, addiction, you know, Mm -hmm. but that gamification overall is beneficial because get this reminds me of your story from just a second ago. Gamification is a way to improve student engagement, motivation, attendance, and academic performance. So the idea is, um, if you look at a cost-benefit analysis of this, overall, it would be a good thing. Uh, but what, what would you see as some of the controversies or criticisms surrounding gamification? I'm, I'm interested. Well, for me, the, the biggest criticism is just keeping the, the users, the individual users' mind in a constant state of need to do the next thing or to get another thing to get that dopamine hit. Um, that's, the, that's the scariest thing. The, the, the most positive thing is that it, it's true. If I, if I got something in my house, mm-hmm. I completed a chore outside, I mowed the lawn, let's say, and it's like I walk in the house and he goes, and just lets me know, oh, you, you mowed the lawn. Great job. <laughs> I'd be like, cool. And then it's like, you've mowed the lawn five times in the past two months. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like if that was a thing, mm-hmm. that'd be great. I'd be like, man, I'm going to mow the lawn again. I'm excited next time I mow the lawn. Yeah. Oh, you paid your mortgage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can, and, and like a ka-ching sound, you know, yeah. and this, this can nudge you toward behaviors, right? We can't be the only people who are thinking of the sesame social credit system in China. That's one of the first things I thought of that and book it when I heard what's what's happening in that kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's like any other technology. It's, it's all in the way it's used. We do need to mention dopamine. This goes yes. back to the dopamine we talked about briefly in that episode, but dopamine is a neurotransmitter. There are other types of neurotransmitters. All, all it really means is there's a chemical And this chemical is a messenger that takes a signal from a neuron across the synapse to another target cell, which could be a couple of different types of cells. Why is dopamine a special neurotransmitter? Because it feels so good. It feels so nice. It activates the pleasure center in human brains. And it also has a part to play in your focus, your attention, how you learn, how you're coordinated, how your working memory operates. And it gives you this pleasurable feeling when you have repeated achievements. And that's why, like, does gamification belong in a workplace? It's in a lot of workplaces. You know what I mean? Like, who's the top salesperson of the month or the week or the year? I don't know. I think it's a powerful technology, and I think it could do some really amazing things. Language apps are huge on gamification. And I'll tell you what, I love them, honestly. Oh, yeah. Let me play a little game and I'm learning a new language. That's cool. I, I like want to see the little, Like I did Duolingo. I do some other um, uh, slightly more specific ones. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'll sit on my phone. I'm going to see the little cartoon dance. You know, I want to hear the song, the song that says I did well. What was the rice one? Where is Free you- rice. Free oh, rice. Oh, good example. I still love free rice, man. I still mess with free rice. Uh, free rice is a UN affiliated app, but you can also play it on your desktop or your laptop. Uh, and what it does is it, you guess the correct definition for a word. And every time you make a correct guess, uh, this organization awards like 10 grains of rice or something to feed people who are living in a state of food insecurity. And the Difficulty levels up. So the first ones are very easy. They're like, a door is a blank, 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 blank. Like, yeah, right, I know that. I'm here. But free rice for everybody. <laughs> and then, you know, as you get higher up in the levels, I'm actually going to play that after we record. Yeah. I forgot how fun that game is. But after, uh, after you get to these higher levels, then becomes much, much more difficult. And each time you get something wrong, you go down a little bit. So it keeps you, it keeps you in that Goldilocks zone and it does, it does help with vocabulary, but the, the main point of it is this gamification is supposed to be for a cause. What an excellent example. Ah, man. And people have been asking about how far gamification will go for a number of years now. Uh, One of the earliest examples of gamification was something called Foursquare, which some people may remember you would check in at, at a physical location, right? And then if you checked in 
frequently enough, you became like the monarch of that or the mayor or whatever authority figure of that, uh, of that blubba dubbas. You know what I mean? Yep. And the, it was, the czar of your local Dunkin' Donuts. There it is. The <laughs> suzerain of Costco. <laughs> <laughs> all hail. I'm thinking of other s- silly titles. Uh, all hail the uh, baronet of, uh, God, what's a store that people, a store just that call people it, don't just, go to? Just reference Waffle House. Go ahead. Of Waffle House. There we go. No, no, no. no. Just do it. Just do it. Oh, like, okay. We'll it. keep this whole part in. Uh, no. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, all hail the baron of wa- uh, Waffle House. <laughs> Long may his syrup pour. Uh, mm. This, yeah, okay. Well, in the context, it's not as creepy. But this is an excellent example, and it's something that, collectively society needs to be aware of because it can really put some gas into your learning abilities. It can put some gas into people's engagement with an idea or a topic, you know, Uh, but it can also, like you just mentioned in the mowing the lawn example, it can nudge people toward things. And in some cases it can nudge them toward things that are maybe not necessarily beneficial and not necessarily things they would have done on their own. And that doesn't, that is a separate issue from addiction. That is pushing people, right? And yeah. they can be related. There is a Venn diagram, but, but it's fascinating. And it's something that we'll have to think a little bit more about in the future. Uh, we're going to call it a day for today. And we'll be back next week with more correspondence from you. Uh, as always, thank you so, so much to Nuts for Milk. Thank you so much to Allie, and thanks so much to FBL, Fitbit Lady. If you want to take a page from their book and reach out to us, we can't wait to hear from you on your thoughts of droughts, on your thoughts of uh, big agriculture and almonds, on your thoughts of uh, video game addiction and what the future of that might be. And then, of course, tell us the weirdest things that you found gamified. Yeah. You know, in the end, I, I really don't care what achievements I get in Minecraft as long as I find another fortress, because I've never freaking seen one and I've been trying to find them. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to get to the end and fight the dragon if I can't find nether fortresses. I don't know if that's even true. I don't know I, what I'm talking you know, about. I mean, I'm I'm so in because I'm just interested in the world. And sometimes the the specifics of an achievement in, in a game or a gamified system don't really matter. You just need a win. You know what I mean? You ever feel that way? Just wake up and you're like, God, I just need to feel like I won one thing. Every day. But that's okay. Every night. It's okay. We're going to make it through. Your first achievement is to find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube at Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you want to not use social media, you can use your phone and your mouth to contact us. Mm. It's pretty awesome. We have a phone number. 1-833-STD-WYTK. You'll have three minutes. Those three minutes belong to you. Uh, Whisper conspiracies or sweet nothings into our ears. While you're doing that, give yourself a slick nickname. We love those. Tell us what's on your mind. And uh, perhaps most importantly, let us know if we can use your voice and or message on air. But you might say, I don't care for phones. I've got something that needs more than three minutes to be explained. I've got links. I've got pictures I have taken of this strange thing in the woods or in the sky. How do I get these to you? Good news, fellow conspiracy realists. We have an email address where you can reach us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All you have to do is drop us a line where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. 
With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.